You're listening to the First Ball Scottish Football Podcast. Oh, Scotland go for an eminent in! He's done it again! James McFadden scores for Scotland! France are stunned and Scotland lead in Paris! Hello and welcome to the Burst Ball Scottish Football Podcast. This week we'll be discussing the end of the title race <laughs> and all the other results across Scotland. Um, guess there's only kind of one place to start when we have a couple of guests on in the way of Callum Scott. Hello Ryan. Hello Callum. Uh, Short and sweet this week Casey. Alright. Yeah. I think uh, that's the way uh, we're both going to approach this one, Casey, and hopefully the slightly more upbeat Lewis Burrow. Aye, hello Ryan, uh, good to be on. I'm, I'm fairly upbeat, yes, absolutely loaded with some sort of coldy virus type thing, but I wouldn't imagine sitting out in that football today helped it, but nevertheless. Mm, loaded with three points of late, I'm, I'm imagining. Yes, certainly um, are, <laughs> Could be worse. Yes, so let's start at Rugby Park. Casey, you were there today. Kelly nil, Celtic won. I didn't see the game myself, but by all accounts, sounds like Kelly were extremely hard done by in terms of just the result. It sounded like you deserved the point and kind of the way it ended. Would I be right? Yes, I would say so, Ryan. Um, all bias aside, I thought that we were excellent today. We matched Celtic more than matching Celtic for long, long periods of the game comfortable really comfortable against them seems to just be the theme now yeah kind of steve clark side against the old firm but usually you know you know yourself ryan anytime you do get results over the old firm you've kind of got to ride your luck mm. but i don't think that we very rarely really had to do that under clark anytime we've got a positive result either against rangers or celtic i, I just, just I'm absolutely distraught to be honest. I just thought that we were, we were robbed in the end. Um, uh, I just a horrendous goal to concede, mm. and it just really kind of epitomises, epitomises Celtic. You know, they get the break with a red card. I don't mean that as if it's it was dubious because it was a stone wall red, but I mean like that's a break you get again. They get a red card down to ten men, and it's still a murder goal that goes in, you know what I mean, when we are backs against the wall, and it wasn't even like we were ever hanging on at any point, we had to dig in, I don't doubt that, right? but wasn't it like Backman was making save after save, we are clearing balls off the line, people go and say Celtic put pressure on, but that's all we can do at that point, you know, you've got, you're down to 10 men against Celtic, they've got 8,000 fans at Rugby Park, and our game plan is letting them put balls in the box, because your centre half and Backman was coming out for everything, um, just a really sickening goal to concede, and I'm just absolutely, I'm I'm raging. I've still no came down for it, as you can imagine. I'm just um, that's what I'm saying. I'll probably be a lot more um, I'm nose level headed this week. Uh, I'd like to say usually something, even though I am very pro Kilmarnock. I like think I'm kind of in the middle with a lot of stuff, but I'm 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 really I'm taking a back bit. I think it was really harsh on Kelly, and it's it's real sickening. It's the worst way you can ever lose a game. Mm. I mean, I think the kind of cliche is that a lot of things. Um, seemed to go Celtic's way and it certainly did seem that way um, going from the, the highlights and just the, the break of the ball from the goal itself would you say 
might not be saying this if it had finished nil nil, but in terms of attacking um, for Kilmarnock, is it just kind of a bit disappointing? You didn't really create too much going forward. Is that the only kind of negative you'd kind of suggest, maybe? Oh, well, the, the thing is, Ryan, that we we created every bit as much as Celtic until Broadfoot got sent off. Mm. Like we were, like we were caught. Brophy and Macaulay were causing them problems. Macaulay gets a goal disallowed that I've yet to see back. I kind of half seen it in the pub when I was back in, and it was a replay in Sky Sports. I do see it. It it kind of hits his arm, but I'll need to see it back proper. But I think it was very very harsh. If anything, considering what went against us last week with the penalty against Broadfoot and the ball running rolling down Tavernier's arm and us not getting a penalty and it's not like again I'll need to see it back proper but for what I've seen it didn't look like McElhinney controlled it with his arm but then again I've only seen it in the first instance and it was an excellent finish as well Brophy caused them problems all afternoon but the minute that Broadfoot who I'm going to rip into here I've absolutely loved the guy he's been amazing for Kumarlet but he he should be really really disappointed in himself he's an experienced pro he's the most experienced guy in the park and he goes in purely just to hurt Scott Brown, and it's embarrassing. It's just like I'm. I'm not going to doubt his professionalism for Kilmarnock, mm. but like it was the whole Rangers Celtic thing for me there. See if that ball breaks to a Ryan Christie or a Johnny Hayes or McGregor Forrest. Broadfoot's not got to get in for that. It's purely because it's Scott Brown, and it's like let's get one up in them, and he pays the price. And there was idiots on about me at the time saying, "Oh, brilliant, well in," and I goes, "You, you've been serious here. He's got to get sent off. He's got to cost us the game." And that's what happens. And there was clowns applauding them after the park, and I was seething. I'm like, "He has cost us this game." Then and there, I knew it. And the boys dug in, and we absolutely sucking and go to concede, man. As we've already spoke about. Mm. I mean, like it or loathe it. Um, pressure us three might be the latter here but that's Celtic now 8 points clear uh, I know you'd suggested that Kelly probably gave as good as they got in the day but does it just and it might be a bit of a recurring theme on this week's podcast but does it just seem a bit of a missed opportunity I think all the way things were today that's what I mean aye. Um, yeah yeah. well I, I mean I, th- I think the way things happened today was that we we had a free hit at Celtic because everybody running about us was dropping points, you know what I mean? So Aberdeen dropped points, Rangers dropped points, so we did have a free hit at them. It's just disappointing, I just... I don't know, I don't know. I, I, I really did think we would get a positive result. I think had we not had the Rangers game on Wednesday night, we would have had even more to go at them. But you can't fault the line-up, he's went two up front, again, two wingers, like... I just, it's just disappointing. As, as, you know, I just want to make a point in that Timothy Ware at the end of the game, who I thought was an absolute embarrassment, yep. um, the way that he was Gordon, Greg Taylor, and Jordan Jones. I'm just like, we kind of half spoke about it before we come on, man. Like, we all see a bit of passion in that, but that's just, that's embarrassing for me, right? Listen, see, sometimes the size of the nerf it, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to lie, like, when you're a kind of diddy team, man, sometimes you get away with that, man, but that guy's hoovering up. 50 grand a week or whatever at PSG and then he's sitting disrespecting guys like Greg Taylor and that who are on what lucky if he's sitting 1100 quid a week at Kelly absolutely embarrassing man totally lacking in class can't even can't even lose with uh, can't even win with <coughs> dignity man I was I was I was quite appalled by that to be honest um, 
I just I just thought that was a really kind of horrible way to go about it, especially after Ken fair play to Celtic to dug in right at the end, get a goal. Focal slag the support and that to be fair it was kind of mental scenes man I'm not going to deny that the, when I looked over obviously the pitch invasion stuff is a bit over the top but like the actual the actual like, limbs behind the goal was pretty cool to be fair yeah, I'm off that but I just thought that was really kind of horrible you know what I mean you're playing against Kilmarnock mate like it's not an old firm game you're, you're playing against guys who who only make making a year what you're making a week I just thought I was embarrassing to be honest ah, you had the nail on the head there Casey it was a classless classless gesture wasn't it the fact as well that he, he didn't ah. he, it wasn't just sort of one wee act of interrogation he, he kept going on and on and he kept I think after me, it he, kept, he was kind of gesticulating towards the Kelly fans as well wasn't he so ah, horrible horrible uh, gesture he, he could be doing me starting that out of his personality I think mm. who knew that uh, scoring a goal in Perth would uh, <laughs> Take your uh, personality to such lofty heights of uh, classes, classless. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, Lewis, just to bring you in on this this game, Celtic, um, <coughs> kind of demoralising for the rest of the league in terms of the result, but they always just seem to win these kind of games, don't they? Yeah, I think uh, I agree with what you're saying there. I think that's definitely the title race sewn up, barring a miracle. I mean, remember, you've Rangers and Celtic have still got to play most likely twice, so. I suppose if, if Rangers were to win both of them, which I don't think they would, I suppose that could sort of sort of swing things. But no, in in practical, in reality, that is the that's the league that's the league sort up for Celtic. And I think you could see the importance of that game today. When I mean, I thought that Celtic today played really really poorly, but I'll come back to that in a minute. But generally, when they carry these big crowds away from home and it gets to sort of 60, 70 minutes and they've not they're not looking like uh, winning the game or they're not playing very sort of comfortably. You can often kind of hear the fans sort of turning against them a wee bit, and the big crowd starts to get a bit sort of restless. But today, you could see it. To be fair, every time the ball went for a shire, a corner, they were really, really, really getting behind them. And I think that's probably because the fans knew the magnitude of this game. They knew that even if they could just scrape a, scrape a lucky win over the line, and that that was most likely the title done. But to be honest, when I watched the game, I I thought Celtic were were really poor. They, they they looked like they had played a game on Thursday night, and they looked they looked sort of shy of confidence a wee bit as well. I thought they. I, I couldn't really quite understand. I mean, they're a team that obviously like to play all those sort of slow build up, passing on the deck football. But then I don't, I don't think that really works when they play in the Astro Tuffet Coleman. Doesn't the way they want to do it? They, they look a bit sort of flat when they do it. I, I, I couldn't help but feel that maybe if they went a wee bit more sort of direct, then they might have a wee bit more joy. But nevertheless, I thought even however they play, if Celtic turned up and played to their full potential, they should be beaten. They should be beaten Coleman. They didn't do that. They were pretty poor, but. All credit to Kilmarnock as well, because Kilmarnock stopped them and Kilmarnock really imposed a game on Celtic. And see, to be honest, when you watch these games and you think, oh, it's Celtic against a Kilmarnock or a Motherwell or a St Johnson, you always kind of sit as a provincial fan and you fear a wee bit for the, the fellow provincial side. But see, if you took the whole kind of, this is Celtic, this is Kilmarnock off the day, it was a really, really even game and either team could have won it, to be honest. As Casey says, the sending off really, really changed it. Aye. Um... Is there anything else either of you would like to say on this game? KC, any other bugbears you want to get off your chest? <laughs> I know, I mean, I, I can just... If, if I've got to get any reaction to this podcast, I know I'm going to get absolutely slated for, for Celtic fans there. I swear, I swear I'm not bitter, I promise I'm not bitter about it. Nah, just... Um, Easy with that. I just uh, The only gripe I've got, I, I, thought, I thought we're very unlucky... Just to reiterate, we're very, very unlucky, very... Lucky goal for Celtic to score, mm. and the only thing that I'm actually angry about, as I say, is the way that that 
way I was acting after the game. I just think that's really, really disappointing. That's that's it. Just before MD tries to misquote me if they try to give <coughs> the podcast abuse for for my uh, words of anger. Mm-hmm. Um, There's something as well. I think any any Celtic fans that that have been uh, slating Scott Brown and everything recently. I know when he was kind of injured there, people were thinking that Callum McGregor was better back there. As much as I, I've I've got no time for the guy, I'm quite indifferent towards him. I can appreciate that he's a he's a brilliant brilliant footballer. He's one of the best in the country, and I think. Ah, as much as it was a scrappy goal, it was a it wasn't anything of a great skill or anything, but I think it was quite a sort of a statement almost today that Brown get that goal. And I would so urge any Celtic fans that think he's finished. I think they're better with him at the team to maybe think again because it was all that stood it was all that stood between them and getting a draw today. Aye, well, absolutely, Barrow. I mean, to 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 round up, Scott Brown won that game today for a few reasons, like. <laughs> Just done right his best. It's in everybody's heads. And I'm a fan of Scott Brown, by the way, in case somebody's hanged something got to get away for that. I'm Are you trying to get back in with the Celtic fans now, Casey? No, 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 <laughs> because I because what I'm gonna say they'll hang him been better here, but he really poor tackling Greg Taylor first half, mm-hmm. which I think could could have been a red. I've not seen it fully back yet. But that could have been a red card. So that's Scott Brown right away, gets away with it. Um and as I pointed out earlier, Broadfoot He's not got to nail anybody else unless that's Scott Brown because of the aura that Scott Brown's got running about Scottish football. If that's any other Celtic player that breaks the ball there, Broadfoot's no no got to make that challenge, Aye. right? So Scott Brown wins a red card and all, and then obviously he's absolutely horrendous deflected goal. But he wins again. It's Scott Brown. He's he lives in it. He is. He's he gets in everybody's heads and he's a master at it. And he won the game today for Celtic for those those few reasons. Uh, I don't want to leave. Uh, on a depressing note, Casey. So, what I will sort of point out, or want you to touch on, big game on Wednesday in terms of progressing in the Scottish Cup. And well, I think everyone enjoys sort of the talk of a title race. Me and Kelly are still in line to qualify for Europe for the first time in uh, how knows long. So a lot. Two thousand and one, I think. A, a so. lot to look forward to, regardless of today's result for yourselves. Yeah, no, absolutely, Ryan, and, and I'm proud of the club today, I thought we were brilliant, um, just to get that out there, again, uh, kind of had a bit of banter with one of my mates, shouted from the pub after it, he's like, ah, it's alright mate, I'll no slag you, I go, slag, slag us for what, <laughs> we we competed, right? we, we didn't disgrace ourselves whatsoever, we competed with the best team in Scotland, for large, large parts of that day, regardless of their nine million pound strikers, their loan signings on 40, 50, 40, 50 grand a week, we we shut all them up. You know what I mean? I'm proud of Kelly today, and we can take a lot of uh, a, a lot of, a lot from that game into Ibrox on Wednesday night, which I think I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful again. Um, it, the worst it was if we won the day, I actually couldn't see us go to Ibrox and winning for some reason. I just can't see us beat beating old fun back to back. So nah. Players can dust themselves down. Everybody done themselves proud, minus <laughs> Cup Broadfoot, who was excellent up until the red card, by the way. He was phenomenal. That ruined the game uh, and ruined his own personal forms. Now I'm proud of the boys and we'll kick on again. And uh, You've not heard the last is yet. We, we, I've seen more than enough today to see how good a side commander can. Stuff. Glad to hear you're not down and out. Um, somebody who, who will be full of positives will be the man opposite you, uh, Lewis Burrow. Obviously, that's now six wins in a row for Motherwell. They've certainly turned a corner post-winter uh, break, minus that slip-up in the Scottish Cup. Lewis, you were there today. Another fantastic yep. win, albeit in pretty hilarious circumstances. Aye, well, it's just, it's just amazing. And, uh, 
I think the last time we've won six in the bounce was twenty twelve or something like that under Stuart McCall and then we went and get beat off Celtic and we've got Celtic again next Sunday so let's hope that's one trend that doesn't repeat but not <coughs> pardon me I've never never seen a sort of turnaround in a team like it I've seen it the other way I've seen us have really really strong starts to seasons and then dip away over Christmas it happened a wee bit last year but it, I think I, I mean I don't get me wrong I sat in this podcast before as I've said numerous times and I've, I've given Robinson quite a lot of stick for what he did in the first part of the season because he's I given mean, you quite a lot of stick as well to be fair so yeah, I know. That, I know. <laughs> uh, aye, so I've 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 given him stick, and to be fair, I think he did deserve it. But also to be fair to the guy, he he's really really revolutionised us almost. I would say over the January window, and it's it's funny how these things work because we got the signing of Ross McCormick, and you would have thought right if Motherwell are going to push on the second half of this season, it's going to be due to him. He's going to be the talisman for them. But I mean, he's he's out of the picture to be honest. It's uh, it's the the recalling of haste of Jake Hasty from Alwa that's that's been the. The big one for us, he... What a re- revelation, man. What a revelation. Oh, he's, he's, he's one of the best talents class. I've ever seen. Coming th- I've heard people say saying that he, he reminds them to like, when James McFadden first came through at the club, and I think I mean, he's got everything in his game to go right to the top. He's got everything you would want. Typically for a winger, he's got pace, he's got skill, he can cut in, he can, he can cross, he's got a brilliant crosser, but with both feet, actually. Uh, he can cut in yep, and score yep. goals, as we've seen. But then he's, he's also really, really well built which I think in the modern day game is quite important. I mean, there's absolutely no bullying Jake Hasty, And, you know, we've, we've beat Hibs and Hearts in these, this run of six games. We've beat some good teams in there. It's not always a team's languishing at the bottom of the league. So he, he's given some really experienced uh, defences that they run around a wee bit. And it's, it's just testament to that. I really, really hope the club get them tied up in a deal. I think they will. They've done well to get James Scott and David Tumble tied up. I can only think, and if I, I am sure that Jake Hastie were the next one that they'll be trying to get in a long term deal and I think one day, as long as he keeps progressing I think we'll make a lot of money at him one day uh, if I'm not mistaken his contract's up at the end of the season is that right? it is, I, it is although he, if you saw his interview with the BBC he did during the week there I don't think the guy has any intention of going anywhere I think he, a lot a lot of these players that came through at Motherwell as much as they can look at examples that have gone down south and done well you're Jamie Murphy you're people that have left the club Sean Hutchison that have gone down to England and abroad and had good careers they've all they've all not rushed away to, to mm. go down to England and be successful you do need to serve an apprenticeship if you like play two or three years to be honest up here the ones that have rushed away like you think back to like Ben Hall who are just languishing in under 23 squads down there you know like Paul Slane if I go back years and years ago I mean we see what he's doing now If whereas if he hadn't rushed away from us to go to Celtic he would he probably he had every chance of probably still being a successful footballer to be honest uh, so I think I think they know they know they've got these examples to look to and the club will not be shy in, in portraying these people to them and saying well look this is what can happen if you stay a couple of years you commit to a year or two and this is what can happen if you see us at a if it's jam today type thing and you race away down south and now so no I, I would be surprised if Jake Hasty didn't sign back on good stuff and no, I, I definitely kind of echo that it's you want to see Motherwell keep their the sort of young talents. Do you think? Well, I, I know you can answer this kind of question, but Robinson has almost got these three young guys to thank for keeping his job. Really, given that oh. his um, recruitment in the the January transfer window, as you mentioned, Ross McCormack hasn't really <coughs> bared many fruits. So, do you? expect to see Motherwell creep into that top six I know you were speaking about a certain bet um, that you've placed I was yes well it's one of those things <laughs> which, you see if, if I was an, an outsider looking in you'd be looking at the form Motherwell on the now and you'd be thinking oh aye they're, they're on an upward trajectory, trajectory. I'll say that yet 
Uh, they're going to make the top six, but then obviously when it's your club and you're a bit involved with it, you don't. You always kind of fear for the worst. You're selling case you'll know, but I, th- I think they will make the top six. As I, as I was saying, that I feel that the momentum is very much with us. We look, it's, it's absolute chalk and cheese for the start of the season. But we were going out beat before we even kicked off. Whereas now they go out, they genuinely look like they can take it to anybody. I mean, we go to Parkhead next Sunday, and I, I'm under no delusions that we'll get beat, and I don't think we'll win the game, but. <laughs> I honestly wouldn't. I mean, we we've got a terrible sort of scoring record, and I I think it will be a fairly tight game because we we're playing. We I've not seen us go there this confident in or ever probably to be honest. Uh, we're, I mean, we're getting it in, we're in six wins. So I, I I could see his scoring there. I mean, Hasty scored first in the last two or three games that he's played now. So I I, I could see he's getting a goal. The parkhead to oh, be honest and making it an uncomfortable afternoon. Oh, you can look forward to a last-minute deflected goal to, to lose 2-1. Oh, oh, that's, um, that's, that's inevitable, <laughs> but I think that we're definitely capable of going there and not coming back with one of these big sort of morale satin defeats. I think we can go there and genuinely be competitive. And it is, uh, it's all, yeah, Robinson deserves deserves a lot of credit. And I don't think the, the Ross McCormick being a wee bit <clears throat> ineffectual today can really be uh, something we, a stick you could really probe him with because we, we would all have taken Ross McCormick in an absolute heartbeat without even seeing him. It's a signing. Mm. I mean, I think anyone in this league, to be honest, like with Celtic Rangers, maybe Aberdeen Kelly would have snapped your hand off for him. And no, yeah, he's not turned out to fruition yet. He's still got a good, uh, what was it, 10, 12 games or something left of the season. So he could still come good. But no, I think you've got to look at the positive. You've got to look at him identifying the talent in Jake Hastie and thinking that he can make a difference to his bringing him back. The signing of Gibole Ariebe as well. He's been, he's been brilliant. He just gives us some legs up the left flank. So. Aye, I think uh, I think Robinson's definitely answered some critics. And see, be fair to Motherwell as well. Um, just to make a kind of wee a wee slight point, go off on a tangent here. Absolutely bang on the way that they've brought through the your youngsters with Jake Casey going to Iowa and playing <laughs> football. As we just spoke about there, obviously you're hoping that he stays in still plays with Marlowe for two or three seasons in the top fight before he even thinks about moving but like him going and playing and doing and playing football at Championship League one level is only ever got to do the world a good mm-hmm. man that's like I couldn't stress that enough for any teams any provincial teams there as well we can have players <coughs> that are only getting into a team get them out and going and get them games same way Big Ian Wilson's away Fair's away down to Queen of the South to play games Greg Kilty's at Morton you know what I mean like, you need to get games man it, it, like, it, you can sit and score goals in the 20s in the reserves but it's not going to do you any good man like, it's no real football like, if you, it doesn't matter what level you're playing at competitive football competitive football and you're seeing that because Hasty's just he's just come out of nowhere man and he's like absolutely ripping the league up and it's brilliant to see <laughs> and fair play to Motherwell because they go to spot on and, and I'm hoping that we see similar impacts with both Kilty and uh, Wilson uh, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head there Casey to be honest I mean Stephen Robinson and Cregan when he was here as well were, would echo exactly what you said there I mean they can play under 20s football and stand out there all they want but until you've actually got a crowd on your back and a crowd willing you on and a crowd can I get in your back if you make mistakes and the game actually means something to punters that are paying money to come in and watch it I think that is the best way to see these guys develop and Hasty's one he's actually kind of been in and about the team for a couple of years he was in the bench like a couple of years ago as well I think if I'm not mistaken I think he actually came on at Parkhead for 20 minutes or so a few years ago but uh, he, never, he was never one that really stood out to you he was just a young boy a really young boy and you just knew he was kind of in and about the team but Oh, blatant! Definitely going out to going out to Alwa and getting football at a good level. I mean, the championship isn't a hundred miles off the level that we play at. To be honest, I mean, he's played against good good teams there, the D United there, Queen of the South, all the likes of it. So, 
No, I think it's, it's done him the world a good DC. We've got some more out and loan than now. We've got Broke Watson out to East Fife and uh, George Newell at Albion Rovers. I think that's aye, you're right exactly what you say, Casey. These provincial clubs know it's the way to go to develop. Um, I'm not too keen to touch on ind- individual incidents, but I think this one deserves some airtime, Lewis. The <laughs> goal- goalkeeping error by the Hearts goalkeeper to sort of give Motherwell the game. Uh, I-, I watched the game and I would probably say Motherwell did deserve the, the win over the balance of play, but when you get to the 93rd minute and make a mistake like this, I mean, I, you're sitting right behind this one, aren't you? I mean, I was, on. I. What, what is he thinking here? I, it's one of the ones, I mean, in the sorry to hop back to it again, but I mean, in the first half of this season, we get nothing, absolutely nothing going for us. And that's what happens when you're down the bottom end of the table. I don't mean referee decisions and stuff, but if there was ever an individual error to be made or a, a freak goal, it was always coming against us. And you feel, you know, things in football always are going in circles, don't they? And honestly, that that's the kind of thing, not the exact same scenario, but there's things like that happened to us earlier in the year, a lot of kind of freak goals, a weird individual errors and all the rest of it. And I genuinely believe that it's it's just kind of, it's just kind of full circle, to be honest, and we are starting to get a rub of the green because I'll, I'll be the first one to admit today, if I was a Hearts fan going away for that game, I would have been pretty, I'd, I'd have been gutted because I thought, yeah, <laughs> you could say, you could make an argument that we shared, we shared it, but I, I think a point was probably fair for both teams and I was sitting there quite content with a point having seen a couple of the chances the Hearts had had done at the South Stand in the second half I was I was I quite content taking a point away for that game and it was sheer jubilation and just that it was like a bonus really when, when we got the win because I mean if you we would never have been close to drawing with Hearts in the first half of the season so you had to kind of contextualise it a bit and I, I was, I, was, I would have been quite happy with a draw a draw out of that and the Hearts fans will be they'll be a bit disgruntled I would think that they've lost it so no I can see what they mean. It was a fairly even contest, but we've had plenty of these things happen against us, so it's about time that we get the rub of the green. Aye, I mean, I think Hearts did have a... Well, Naismith missed an open goal in the, in the second half, who I think did, t- touched on is kind of Hearts at the minute. Everyone outside of Stephen Naismith um, doesn't really appear to be fantastic. Um Casey, I know you you like Stephen Naismith. Is he well? It's quite clear that he is. But do Hearts need to find a, an answer around about Naismith, <coughs> other than letting him just do all the work? Well, got a few things to record here. I actually hate Naismith because I love him so much, and I hate the fact that he's no he's no Michael <coughs> Marmoth. He's a wee rat. Such and such man. It hurts me every day knowing that he's playing with Hearts. Um, but nah, he is head and shoulders above every single player in that Hearts team. He's he's literally... It's been no coincidence that they've picked up results the minute he's been back for his injuries, man. Because he's the only, he's the only guy that scores goals. He's the only guy that makes chances. He's literally single-handed. Like, he's carrying the full Hearts team. Like, I'd, he's far too good for them, put it that way. Um, in aye, see, see the kind of money in that that Hearts, Hearts can pay in the signings that they've made nah no having it no having <laughs> it at all it's like Naismith was the best bit of business they did um, they're so over reliant on him it's, it's, it's unbelievable he's by far the best player in that team um, and when he and, well he's never no at it but when he's no playing they struggle um, so aye no because as I say didn't get to see the game but we was back in the pub 
after the Kelly game, I seen the highlights come up, I seen it was two one, and I goes, oh, I bet you anyone it was Naismith that scored, and I it was. Take it was a brilliant goal as well, wasn't it? I thought uh, it was a g- great finish. <laughs> it was shouts that it was just, just a fluke, but I thought it was a real bit of class to be honest. Ah, uh, he's just he's so intelligent at everything he does. He's as I, as I've said that I, I genuinely and I include Celtic that I genuinely think that he gets into every single team in the country I really mean that I think he's that good I mean and it really pains me to see him at Hearts when he should be playing with Kilmar not the team that brought him through but okay <laughs> and we will move on from that um, another team who slipped up this weekend Aberdeen at home to St Mirren two each I think I spoke to Gamba a few weekends ago Oh no, it was when Motherwell went down to St Mirren I think Gamba jested that whoever attended that game would be the last game of football they ever watched um, implying how terrible it would be He was wrong, in fact Aberdeen St Mirren was in fact the worst game of football um, No, no, no I, I think that Let me explain So this um, four goals thing uh, sort of papers over the cracks of just how disgraceful this game of football was. It was just a, a case of watching, well, from an Aberdeen perspective anyway, uh, the centre-backs pass it between each other, then after about five minutes look forward uh, and then pass it right to a St Mirren player and they would break away uh, and just have a chance. And although it looked like from the highlights that Aberdeen did have s- several chances, the performance was perhaps one of the worst under Derek McInnes. It was just, honestly, it was the shocking football. Um, no no intent, no attacking urgency. Um, and I think Lewis, you'll have seen from the highlights that Aberdeen's defending wasn't much better either. I heard them say that Aberdeen have conceded the most goals at home outside the bottom three. It's madness. That I, you wouldn't think that either. I mean, you, you always... Yeah, I know it's probably wrong, but when you think stereotypically about Aberdeen at home, you always imagine a 1-0 win for Aberdeen, you know? Aye, I mean, the the setup in terms of the mentality from the players just seemed to be like they were going to turn up and win, um, which you just you can't do. Even at St Mirren, they are rock bottom of the table and they are on six straight defeats, but, I mean, they're scrapping for their lives at the bottom of the table. They're not going to give you an inch. Um, and they had... They had conceded 52 goals before the game, but you can't just turn up and expect to win at any level of football. And that looked like the attitude that Aberdeen were going into the game with, and there were certain players in that team who didn't look interested. Um, especially GMS hasn't been the same since this um, speculation started over his future in terms of him away to New York probably should have accepted the, the bid for him in January and certainly the the contract situation in terms of Graham Shinney and GMS probably on their game two of the most influential players in that squad isn't helping performances I think Aberdeen's home form you might be surprised to know like we before beating Queen of the South we hadn't won at home at the turn of the year last weekend um, oh. that's now defeat to Celtic at home a draw with Kilmarnock defeat to Rangers and a draw with St Mirren at home in the league um, since before the winter break and the performances have been pretty dire defending's been dire Um, and 
as I say, the, the contract situations with GMS and Shinny, they need to get sorted out sooner rather than later. I mean, I think it's pretty evident that both are leaving. That's clear as day. They just need to go public with it because it, it doesn't do anyone any good to the fact that there's a sort of level of uncertainty hanging over their heads and ultimately it's uh, it's costing... Well, it's it's not doing their performance levels any good. I mean, It'd be disappointing, wouldn't it, to think that to think that they were down tools because they weren't signing a new contract because they've both been really, really good, really important parts of a good a good Derek McInnes' Aberdeen team. So I would be disappointing to think that they had they down tools. I don't think they're necessarily downing tools. I don't think uh, I think it'd be wrong to suggest <coughs> any professional footballer isn't giving a hundred percent when they take to the pitch. I do suggest though that their their minds aren't a hundred percent on Aberdeen. Um which is obviously a problem. Um, and if they do leave, which it looks like they are, then we're going to have another massive rebuilding job in the in the summer. And going back to the January transfer window, where we brought in Greg Stewart and Max Lowe, so basically one signing, given that Max Lowe was here at the start of the season, <laughs> it, it just makes it even more sort of worrying that he's not decided to bring anyone else in to strengthen the squad and with Celtic now what 13 points clear of Aberdeen it's just it's a bit boring now if I'm honest I mean we finished second what four years in a row I must be whole, that well this is this is what I'm <laughs> going to say the the sort of term of like just finishing second um, and the, it, there's not really a, that buzz around the club at the minute in terms of you know, there's not really much to play for obviously got a cup to look forward to and hopefully they do turn up in those games but just the inconsistencies at home uh, and and in the team at the minute especially defensively I can't see Aberdeen going all the way in the Scottish Cup and I don't know it just seems a bit of a malaise setting at Pataudry at the minute and despite there being a lot of football to play for I mean I don't know what you make of it, Lewis. I know you've seen the highlights of the game. I mean, I might. I have to I do say credit to St Mirren. They came to Pataudry to frustrate Aberdeen and their game plan worked. Well, I know these, uh, when you watch the, <coughs> the sports scene highlights, they're put together quite so, uh, they're put together to make any game look brilliant because I would never have thought just watching the fourth minutes, 50 seconds of it or whatever, that the game was quite as kind of bad quality as you were making out there. But uh, I, I can see what you're meaning. I think it's... Uh, it's almost, uh, I think you, you got the word right on there when you said there was a malaise had sort of crept in Aberdeen because never at any point really have they, has there been any sort of big inquest into it. I mean, you always just I think, oh, Aberdeen, they're still up there. But it's just sort of gradually, gradually come on that they're just not getting the same results and performances aren't the same. But then again, I know you watch them a lot more than me and you'll probably have different opinions, but any time I've sort of seen them, I don't think Aberdeen have been the same side this year, to be honest. Obviously, at the start of the season, we know that they're sort of there's like a goal scoring worries and then also they found Sam Cosgrove that's that's rectified that a bit but to me I don't think Aberdeen look anywhere near as dangerous or threatening as they have in previous seasons but you see them more than me you might challenge that um, over the December period Aberdeen were as good as they have been um, over any previous seasons and I would suggest that is down to McLennan's inclusion in the team rather than GMS who mm-hmm. For all his tricks, flicks and fancy footwork, which is good to see, 
his end product isn't actually fantastic. I mean, he's only got, I think, a couple of assists this season. I mean, for a winger, it's it's not fantastic. Um, and you, you're looking for a lot more in terms of the wide positions. Um, big help, as you mentioned, was <laughs> Sam Cosgrove's sort of remarkable form. I think that's his him up to 17 goals for this <laughs> the season now. <laughs> I think it's amazing, isn't it? It's ridiculous, isn't it? It's absolutely mental, man. Just Cosgrove, it's... What is? It, what, did the wrong way just score his first goal in like October or something as well? It's not even like he was on fire for the start of the season. It was like October and he just scored every single week since. Well, I think that's now 14 goals in thir- 13 games for the big man. <laughs> um, so, it only scores braces at all, doesn't it? Uh, apart from at the weekend, unfortunately. Except for uh, the weekend. But. Would you say, Ryan, is there any <laughs> but, uh, is there a, a growing disententment at Aberdeen about Derek McInnes? No, is it at that stage yet? Um, it's, it's difficult to say in terms of there's this kind of attitude it's weird at Aberdeen which I think a lot of people won't be aware of is there's a, a big kind of split in the support in terms of people who have bought into the Aberdeen A thing um, which I'm not sure if you guys are aware of yeah, I remember you talking about it when it came out. I, you give the money every month and it goes right to the playing budget, mm-hmm. is that right? Yeah, so the, there was an introduction of this thing which people bought into and they kind of punted as um, the objective being that they can close the financial gap partly between themselves, Celtic and Rangers, with this cash, which is probably around about, well, I think they raised just over a million now, Um that that cash is strictly for the playing budget only. Excellent. But the problem is when you sign players like Chris Forrester for £200,000 and James Wilson, who mm-hmm. must be on a hefty budget, they don't work out and you've not improved the budget, uh, improved the squad at all in January, despite these funds apparently being pumped into the club. Um, there's questions being asked and some are definitely unhappy and feel that with another manager they could take Aberdeen to the next level in terms of what would that be I mean obviously Derek McInnes' record is fantastic and I would suggest that I'm a Derek McInnes fan and would like him to stay at the club because you do have to be almost careful of what you wish for I mean it's second you're finishing second and you're in regular cup finals and I think part of it is just Aberdeen have been slightly unlucky the past sort of three seasons and you could probably say Motherwell as well given the fact that they got to two cup finals that yeah. they have been relatively successful um, in Celtic's most successful period of their history <laughs> um, so it's it's probably just unfortunate for Derek McInnes who if he had sort of mustered together the Aberdeen kind of side maybe a few years earlier um, they might have a few more (coughs) trophies to their name but I don't, I'm I'm not too sure in terms of the support, I I would say that stagnation always breeds uh, contempt Um, Mm -hmm. that's what's kind of happening at the minute and I think if Aberdeen fail to get European football this season anyway, which could be a possibility, um, given Killian Rangers um, Hearts only a few points behind as well, that there would be um, serious questions 
been asked. So it's not fantastic. In terms of St Mirren, Casey, um, just kind of go away from Aberdeen just for a minute so I can get a respite <laughs> mentally. Um, <laughs> massive point at Pataudry, but they've actually fallen further away at the bottom of the table. See, what is happening now, Ryan, is what wasn't happening at the start of the season and that whenever Dundee or St Mirren were losing, the other one was losing as well and whenever one of them was getting a point, the other one was getting a point, whereas now St Mirren are winning, eh, St Mirren are getting a great point at Pataudry, yet Dundee are winning and they're, you know, five points in Dundee now, that's... Mm. And five, I think Hamilton as well, and I think Hamilton have vastly improved under Brian Rice already. So, fair play to the Aki's fans for, um, I know we'll come on to that later, but for their, their uh, perseverance and their canning out <laughs> stuff, because I think you can see a difference. Um, but, nah, that's a great point. Um, and, I mean, I never ever once thought I would quote Willie Miller in a kind of positive <laughs> thing or actually trust his information about football here, but. Obviously, as I say, I haven't seen the games back yet. But listening to last night's sports sound, they said that it's the best they've seen some month play Pataudry in quote-unquote years. So, um, I mean, if, if if that's a fair representation, fair enough. Any, any point at Pataudry is a great Aye. point. Regardless, it's just a shame the fact they get a point and they get, they get a massive win against Livingston. So, um, uh, it's just... I mean, I, I do feel the worst for some money, to be honest. I mean, if if you're getting a point at Pataudry and you're still five points adrift, you're hiding. It's not your season, is it? No. I mean, credit to St Mirren, as I said, came to frustrate Aberdeen, game plan kind of worked. But um, <laughs> I think Aberdeen gave them uh, the easiest game they're ever going to get at Pataudry. <laughs> um, mm. And in terms of some of their defensive play, even though Aberdeen looked lacking in certain departments of uh, intelligence up front um, they still conceded two goals somehow um, when the keeper should probably have saved Sam Cosgrove's effort um, and obviously the first one was just a, a stupid set piece goal that they've lost so the, they're still not defending great and I think you're going to come up against um trickier teams um, than Aberdeen playing like that um, in the future so uh, as you see I still do feel that few of the worst for St Mirren despite it being a good point because it looks like um, Dundee have picked up uh, <coughs> which we will move on to obviously getting that win down at Livingston uh, I mentioned Aberdeen sort of poor January transfer window Lewis but it looks like it's the exact injection of uh, belief that's been needed at Dundee because Jim McIntyre's Transfer window has sort of been magnificent, especially Scott Wright. Aye, it has definitely. I think it's one of those ones where when a team's right down there and you see a, a failing new manager come in and he brings in a whole squad of players in January, it, it tends to go one or two, but you know, they either really, really gel together and they claw the club out of danger or it just turns into an absolute disaster like what happened to us under Ian Barraclough a few years ago. Uh, but they seem to, oh, I suppose, one positive about doing that is that they don't have the they don't have this a scar on them for the rest of the season. I mean, they were talking in Sports Sound yesterday about what it, I, I can't remember what it was, but I think Dundee got quite a bad uh, defeat the last time they played Livingston, and they were uh, talking about how that could affect them and all the rest of it. But you're thinking to yourself, well, it's a whole new squad of players. I mean, none, none of them will remember it. It's it means nothing to them. Livingston are just another team. So yeah, I think all these all these new signings, especially Scott Wright, is a really impressive player. As you say, he he's done well. He's blatantly been working very very hard in the lead up to January and the 
in the face of some very, very poor results. He was, he's been sort of ride, riding it out till January, and then I seems to be getting his just rewards. Mm, Casey, in terms of Livingston, I mean, it, they're not going great at the minute. <clears throat> they're kind of slowly dropping back down the table. 31 points, though, so they're still 13 clear of the, the, the playoff spots. Do you think they will still be okay, or do you see if they continue to, to slide, they'll be in trouble? Well, there's obviously no doubt that their only form they're in is, I mean, nothing short of awful, to, to, to be fair. I don't think they've won since they absolutely pummeled hearts. Um, <laughs> so, no, no doubt it's a worry, but the way they started this season, you know what I mean? It's I do think they will be safe. And again, this is got me bring up probability. Bear in mind, this is a guy who lost basically all his money in the roulette in Las Vegas two weeks ago, shouting about probability when I kept forgetting it was basically a fifty-fifty chance every time. But you kind of keep losing games. <laughs> like um, it's just it's just a a tough week. More about that later, Casey. Big, big. Ah, exactly, mate. I, 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 I thought I'd recovered for that, but I had to slide that back in. <laughs> um, and coincidentally, all I can see in the Livingston table just now in the BBC is red and black as well, man. So four, uh, four defeats and a draw. So there's there's a right in my head again there. But no, um, <laughs> I think that I, I, I do think they will get out of it again. I, I just can't see them continuing to lose. Excellent result though for Dundee. Um, when you consider no many teams went to Livingston this season and won. Uh, Livingston's away form that's more poor and their home form's been, been very, very good. Um, but no, I, I do think they will get out it, but I always said this season, man, if they finish ninth or 10th, then that's it's excellent, mm. to be fair. And I mean that with the greatest respect, no lazy arguments or that, but realistically, League One kind of budget and stuff originally, so, you know, <laughs> absolutely fair play to them, and, and I don't doubt that they will. I think Gary Holt, obviously, for personal reasons like him, he's a big commander man himself, and, and I don't doubt that they will turn it around there a bit. It's just a, as a, it's, it's not just a wee sticky form, as it's, it's, it's as worrying, but I do think that they will they will come out that. Uh, nothing to fear. Mm. Speaking of new managers and relegation battle, um, battles, Hibs 2, Aki's 0. Um, obviously Hibs uh, Hecking Hecking Bottom fantastic name come in over the the past week against Hamilton new manager as well Brian Rice but uh, obviously a couple of decent results for him in his first few games 2-0-1 for Hibs routine victory for uh, Hibs Lewis aye it was uh, it was really pretty easy for Hibs wasn't it I watched the, watched the highlights of that there earlier and to be honest, Hamilton, until they were 2 0 down, Hamilton barely had a chance. They had one in the first half that was kind of right to the keeper. But no, I was, uh, I wouldn't say disappointed because I thought Hibs would end up with the win, but I thought Hamilton Hamilton did, didn't do themselves any favours. I was expecting maybe, I was kind of expecting that game ended a draw, to be honest, because I know that while Hecking Bottom's just in the door at Hibs, I know there's still quite a feeling unrest about the stand, about the Neil Lennon circumstances and the fact that they're, they're not being told what went on. So mm. I I was expecting the uh, I was expecting a wee bit of a tighter game, but in the end, I mean Hibs Hibs looked they looked kind of like they were very early on this season and last season. I mean they were absolutely battering Hamilton down the down the flanks, and they made Hamilton look like a team that were really really down there. Whereas in the last few weeks, ball accounts they've been they've looked they've looked a completely different team, and I think the fans who were looking for Martin Canning to to uh, leave the club were definitely have definitely been vindicated, and they still are. But I think uh, maybe yesterday just shows that Hamilton that they're not quite 
they're not quite as maybe good as they think they are, and there's still a big, big gap between them and the teams who are, who are almost directly above them, because Hibs aren't actually that, uh, Hibs aren't actually that far up the league at the moment, as we know, but uh, no, I think they, they will come good under Brian Rice, he'll take them to safety, I think, he seems a, seems really, really committed to the job, and he seems a good talker, and I, I think they'll, I think, I think Hamilton will do well, but it was a disappointing one for them yesterday. In terms of Hibs, KC, new manager in the door, kind of languishing in eighth a bit, um, is their target for, well, the new manager, Hickingbottom, is his target just to sort of secure Hibs's top six place this season, or do you think it's further up the table than that? <sighs> to be honest, I mean, I don't doubt that they'll obviously have a, I mean, they're only three points off the top six, and it would be fair to them, so, I mean, down to kind of St. Johnson's absolutely minging when they've won, um, <laughs> Despite a point that I brought, um, that they, they obviously have one eye in the top six, but I think it's, <clears throat> but it's a good job for them to come into the now, right? Because usually when you come into a job halfway through a season, Ken, you're needing results. You know, you you need to stay up or whatever. Whereas he can kind of dip his toe in the water here a wee bit and and see what's what because there's obviously no danger of Hibs going down you know what I mean so I think it's it should be quite good for um, him uh, Heckenbottom to get in there and just just kind of get a grounding in Scottish football because if I was Hibs I mean I know Hibs fans wouldn't want to hear this and I wouldn't want to hear it if I was a Hibs fan but I think they should probably just write off the rest of the season and just use an experience so that can like for Heckenbottom to get his experience in the top fight because I do think they will be inconsistent, don't get me wrong, off to an excellent start, but I think that <clears throat> they maybe will sneak into the top six, but that'll be their target, but me personally, looking for the outside looking in, I would say that this would just be a good period for them to kind of try and try and build a bit and get Hickenbottom a bit used to Scottish football up here so that they can hit the ground running for next season, because I say <laughs> there's no danger of them going down, so it's quite a nice situation for him to be in, I think, it's not got to be exactly high pressure, but like, it's not got to get the sack if they don't get top six, mm. you know, so. Spot on. Um, you mentioned St Johnston's minging run of form there, despite a 0-0 draw at Ibrox. That was exactly the way, um, the way it panned out for uh, Rangers v St. Johnson on, on uh, Saturday. Lewis, do you think, well, we did this kind of discuss it at the, t- at the top of the podcast, but uh, Rangers' kind of hopes, perhaps uh, far-reaching hopes of a, a title race, is that them over? Oh, aye. Uh, I think, aye, as we touched on earlier, the, the, the title race for me is, is virtually done, barring a... Uh, Barring a miracle, that's it, it's finished. Uh, St Johnson, I've been on a bad run of form, but as, as, as we went this last year with Motherwell, playing Celtic three times in a week is a, a huge, huge demoralising task for a team like St Johnson and Motherwell, Coman, look the likes. Uh, and you know, it's, it's fair play to them because when that happened to us last year, it set us in a really, really bad run of form after it. But I think for them to go out after that and go to Ibrox, when, you know, I mean, I think everybody had that down as a Rangers win yesterday with how. So of poor St Johnson had looked in the three games against Celtic. I mean, they didn't even lay a glove on them really, and I think we all had it done as a Rangers win. And for them to go, for them to go and get that point says a lot about the character in the dressing room. And you could tell by watching these interview that Tommy Wright was really, really pleased with it. But one thing that sort of stood out to me about that game that, that's uh, quite sort of annoying me actually is that all this, uh, the headlines and all the online articles and everything today seem to be St Johnson hold Rangers to a point, which I think is is really, really unfair. You know because. I generally wouldn't say there's a huge amount between a team who can defend as resolutely St Johnson and Rangers. So, no, I think it's really, really disrespectful to St Johnson, especially when you watch it back. You can actually argue that we, uh, that St Johnson had the better chances of the match with Shaughnessy's header and 
Alston we sort of lob over the keeper as well I mean I, 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 I'm seeing their barrel what, Rangers one shot in target Elbow. exactly they had a lot Une, unacceptable uh, man unacceptable a lot of the ball but it all seemed to be in front of St Johnson and that's, that's what they do so well they, they defend yep. well and they limit you to very very little so I think from that exactly, point of view for, mate, for them to say that St Johnson held Rangers to a draw I think it's pretty disrespectful I, I totally agree because it's the same garbage that gets spouted against us at times I mean people look at that and look at the match stats for us against Celtic or Celtic had 60% possession you know, that's your game plan to let you exactly. that's what teams don't understand that teams come on lots of Johnson's and that th- th- their game plan is implemented in training all that week to go and let the old firm have the ball and defend crosses into the box and hit them in the counter attack so it doesn't matter how much possession you've got because that's their game plan that's nothing to do with St Johnson trying to get a foot in the ball no they're wanting Rangers to go on the ball and hit them in the counter attack exactly how we approach games and but I'm just seeing that one shot in target for Rangers at Ibrox is unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely unacceptable. <coughs> hmm. uh, Gerard's comments seem to be a bit of a recurring theme throughout this season. Does he just need to learn to keep his mouth shut? Uh, is, is, is he blamed his players again? Uh, it's, none of it's his fault. Uh, nah, there we go. He's, he's, he's so contradictory in so many interviews, man. He's like, he says he'll, he'll come out with lines like, listen, the buck stops him. Yeah, I'm the manager, and then two minutes later, say the players were <laughs> effort and you're like, I just think that I'm surprised that nobody has, you know, like kind of spoke to him it to be like, listen, because as it's just it's because he's young and he's naive in that role, um, but that's nah, just, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm delighted with the result because. All the pressures on Rangers Wednesday night against us if it wasn't on already. Rangers season can virtually be finished on Wednesday night. That's the way to look at it. So nah. I'm delighted with the results. Shows he's inexperienced at times, Gerard, didn't he? I mean you, you look at him and you think, Oh aye, it's it's Steven Gerrard, it's the man and all the rest of it. But I think we're all whether we like it or not, I think we're all a wee bit guilty of falling into that trap sometimes. He, when you strip it all back, he is a man who's still relatively young in the game and this is his first managerial job at a big, big club. Yeah. And it's t- that's sort of stuff that we're saying. You're so they all just sort of plastering the players against the wall type stuff. It's you know there is a time and a place for that as we all know. But I think it's just the fact that he, he does it so often this season. I mean every every kind time of loses get, its he, effect if you're going. Yeah, to do it, it does. I exactly exactly because that's I mean just think back again. Surprise surprise, Brent Kamala. I think on one occasion Steve Clark has absolutely ripped into the Kelly players, and that was last season. Crombie, you'll remember. When his first home games in charge, Aberdeen beat his three one. Uh, I think surprise, surprise. Kick, 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 cast your mind back to Aberdeen win against Kelly, and you'll be uh, like, a few weeks ago. Huh? But <laughs> exactly, but um, the game in I think Kenny McLean scores after like forty seconds. Aye, I think Stevie May think scored in that game. I think that's oh, maybe that's why he was so raging. <laughs> <laughs> so that is the only time that Clark has lambasted his players and I bet it got a reaction it did get a reaction Aye. it did got a reaction you know what I mean like, uh, it, it did get a reaction sorry um, but as you said Crombie hits the nail on the head there I mean if Gerrard's coming out and saying this week after week then players will be thinking what's the point man like, <laughs> he should be and I don't doubt that he is maybe saying something else in the dressing room but see whereas I don't <laughs> doubt that Clark's absolutely slated their players in the dressing room you know what I mean once he's publicly had a go at them mm-hmm. in his 18 month at Kelly, you know what I mean? Whereas Gerard should be absolutely piling into them in the dressing room because I would be an awe because that is unacceptable. I don't care like 
management can only do so much at times. If if you're a, if you're a Rangers team and you're getting one shot and target Ibrox, then serious questions have to be asked all across the park. So I don't doubt Gerard and he's right to kind of have a go at them, but I would do that behind closed doors because I say Crombie just loses his respect. Yeah. I mean, seems anytime they drop points, he's got to have a go at his players, and you're thinking, that's it doesn't matter. Mm. I mean, I mean, he can have all the. <laughs> reputation in the world but I think he needs a, a few uh, uh, he needs to work a bit on his uh, managerial um, techniques definitely um, Rangers as you mentioned Casey their fight is literally now with Aberdeen uh, and Killy uh, in the cup and, and the league <laughs> <laughs> can he separate as much Aye. Uh, seems like it'll be those three fighting out for second Would you? would you agree with that I would say so, and I and I kind of hate to say it because I think this season, shite, it's rubbish because you're looking at it now and you're thinking, no, the season is no by in the middle of February, whereas it was the closest we'd ever had it, you know what I mean? I just think that the winter break came at a kind of broke out of season, Celtic's kicked on, no doubt it's Celtic. Celtic turn up, man, they both have to do the water, mm-hmm. a cracking team when they get gone, there's no doubt about that here, but just yeah, Rangers getting that win before the winter break opens this season right up you know what I mean and then just for then on we came out and beat Rangers again after the winter break and I remember hearing Rangers fans coming out the ground and saying well that just defeats the purpose of beating Celtic because if you beat Celtic in an off firm game and then you get beat by Kawarnock the next game after then it doesn't really kind of loses its merit um, <laughs> but I just think that I mean, you never know, and as Burrow rightly points out, they've still got two old firm games to play, and Aberdeen have still to play Celtic twice, Kamal still to play Celtic once. Celtic will drop points again, but they've just, they're in a cosy position now, mm. aren't they? You know, eight points clear in February. It's There's time yet for a few more deflected goals as well. Um, oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's just, I'm afraid to say that I think it will be over on the height that Rangers. Rangers have to get to Hamden this year. They have to get to a cup final. Um, but I mean, as we say that that could be that could be dead come come uh, come this time on Wednesday. Mm. Um, I think that takes us nicely onto our wee promotion, um, which you might have seen us tweet about on Twitter. Um, Chris Sweeney's Mad Dog Gravison, uh, the last of the modern <laughs> footballing mavericks. Um, ha- is a book that's now available. I think there's a link on our Twitter. You may have seen us tweet about it. I think uh, the link that's up there, you can get 20% off. So if you are a Celtic fan or interested in Gravison in any way, then check it out. You can get 20% off. And I think um, in terms, just to stick with the theme of uh, Mavericks, Casey and Lewis, I was just going to ask you, Respectively, who your favourite maverick is at your club? Um, in terms, in terms, uh, no, no, just ever, ever, I your <laughs> favourite one. Uh, but just in terms of, I think Tom uh, is reading this book, uh, and he says that his absence this week will be made up for next week, and he can give us a bit more details about the actual content of the book. So, if you want to be a bit more clued up in terms of, well, in time for. Thomas's story time next week then <laughs> head over to the, the link on our Twitter account uh, and check that out um, so Lewis who's your uh, favourite footballing ma- maverick for Muddle uh, well it's quite an unpopular one but I would go with Bob Malcolm oh god <laughs> when, <laughs> when he 
they came to us uh, under McGee's first season. They very came to us, and our team was absolutely flying. First time I'd ever, ever seen us as a right good team, you know. And he came, he came to us straight out of the English Premier League with Derby. I think mm. uh, he obviously get released for Derby for falling asleep behind the behind the steering wheel, a car drunk. So uh, he didn't really have many options. Jesus so he came to us, and he was so so overweight and so slow. But see, once he got obviously McGee's fitness regimes were quite uh, famed at the time, and he. Uh, Oh, McGee got McGee got him fit and he was oh, he had a brilliant brilliant free kick on him and he was just it was just so hard and he was the kind of first day, first player like that I'd ever really seen as a wee guy I mean at the time you you were just a wee guy so he didn't really take in, take all this Rangers connections and all the autographs that he'd signed with FTP on them and all that into great consideration but at the time you just knew you had this guy fresh out the Premier League silky silky footballer as much as he was a bit so overweight and everything brilliant footballer great free kick in him and I, it was just, it was a really, really good player. I like, I like Bob Malcolm. Still got a lot of time for him. I still look out for kind of where he is. He's, he's assisting Barry Ferguson at Kelty Hearts now. <laughs> uh, and K- was it not Bob Malcolm that uh, punched Stephen Dobie when they were at Blackpool? I believe so, yes. As well. Uh, when Barry Ferguson got the kind of job to the end of the season when all the riots and that were happening, I think that him and Dobie had a week kind of come together. He's also a... Uh, I think one of the last big stories in news about him he was running an ice cream van in the East End of Glasgow or something so uh, <laughs> oh, aye, look, at it, look at it that what you will the ice cream walls man bloody Paul Ferris man Jesus aye. Christ <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Casey Arthur Thompson um, <clears throat> I mean I know you kind of mentioned it before the pod Ryan and I've and I no thought about it as much as I should I'm kind of getting a bit worried because I'm on the spot here well I'll, I'll go then just while of... you have a wee think <laughs> Um, yes, yes, mine's is purely so I could get this story in um, to make Kemp cringe while he listens to this is uh, just going to say Darren Mackey just one of the, the worst strikers <laughs> yes. ever um, but he got the goals he actually never scored a hat-trick for Aberdeen uh, believe it or not I mean you probably can believe it but um, just in terms of me growing up it, always Darren Mackey was always up front um, leading the line and terrible way that he did uh, <laughs> some of the just seemed to be this guy that scored the, the hard chances rather than the easy ones I think the the best one was he um, scored a goal after I don't know if you remember against Kelly Casey Alan Combe chucked the ball oh, off his Alan head chucks it off oh, his Jesus head and it uh, bounced back off and into the back of the net um, but the story that I'm referring to is when uh, Darren Mackey actually signed uh, for Phoenix FC in um America after his time at Aberdeen um, went over there and I will chuck the YouTube link in this um, podcast because <laughs> you just need to watch this is Darren Mackey being welcomed at the airport as he arrived in America by oh my 10 or so uh, <laughs> Phoenix FC fans who were standing uh, with their scarves and hats singing there's only one Darren Mackey and then <laughs> and then another uh walking along singing a song walking in a Mackie wonderland and it was just it is the cringiest video well Darren Mackie's walking into the airport with his wife and kids and he's going and shaking the hands of these people oh it's <laughs> it's to you need to put that in the bus I I'll stick that up after this because it is one of the cringiest videos I, 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 th- I think Kemp has admitted himself that he cannot physically get through the video um, because it's that cringy. Um, oh, my word. So that's mine. Casey, have you um, 
that. I suppose there's a f- uh, I mean, uh, I suppose there's a kind of few. I mean, there's like, obviously, a bit before my time, a kind of bit of a character that I played with Kerry, I think it was uh, Dylan Kerr, who was a left back when we won the Scottish Cup in 1997. Uh, played with Leeds United and that, um, kind of youth level, and he's now like managing in. Where's he managing again? Nigeria? No, Uganda. <laughs> The Nigerian like Premier League. Yeah, and I think he's like just won the league or something with his team. And he's he's always a bit of a character. I've met him a few times since he's been back and one like when Kelly Nair used to play in the Ayrshire Cup every year. Can obviously it's Kelly Nair games as a derby, but it's technically a friendly. But even though they'd still be kind of good games and meaty tackles and that, but he scored his one and only goal for Kelly, I think, and then he like ran up the stairs into the Muffet stand. <laughs> right, right. Just quite funny, just a guy for Leeds like loving Kelly as much. Uh, and then also just in regards to like pure kind of someday in a different planet, purely just for on the field reasons. I can't. I mean, there's probably somebody really obvious that you know. I mean, any Kelly fans listening will be shouting down their whatever devices they're listening to saying what about this, what about that. But just in regards to kind of on the field, just kind of Mohamedou Sissoko, if you remember him, mm-hmm. centre mm-hmm. half, uh, just on a different planet you know what I mean just like totally no phased by anything just nothing ever seemed to kind of get him down like I've seen him have absolute shockers man like Inverness beating a 6-3 at Rugby <sighs> Park and fireworks night him and Alex Pursehouse man just murder and like just strolling after the park after it it's like again didn't look like a guy who would ever take his work came with him or get upset and obviously the famous cup final against Celtic in 2012 where Within the first five minutes, he's just, he just passes a ball straight to Gary Hooper, <laughs> who gets clean through, and Camille makes a brilliant save. But then after that, he's he has an absolute brilliant game. And every time I watch that cup final back, I still don't even know what he's trying. There's never near enough weight in the ball. It's ridiculous. Just a uh, just a guy who's totally no phased to be anything and just seems to. But like, oh, I don't mind playing football, you know what I mean? You can imagine, but oh, that's my dream to play football and like, knowing how much it means to the fans. Just guys, totally, totally on a different planet, man. But in regards to the actual characters off the field, man, I mean, I really, really can't hang mm. out. I don't know why. I'd imagine no when you watch that one back, Casey, you'll be always expecting to put the absolutely bust in it. I know, I, regardless, and, and I've watched that about 40 times, <laughs> if no more than that, and... I watch it every 18th of March, how sad is that, but there you have it, uh, oh, we love the cup final, but I just, I still am like, what is he actually doing man, it's not even like, Ken, like Hooper has to work for it, he literally plays the ball right in his path man, Fantastic, uh, good uh, answers to both, um, I think just highlight some of the other results from the weekend, um, obviously Dundee United uh, steam train promotion uh, continues, 1-0 at Queen of the South, um, Good result, Lewis, given the fact that Queen of the South have a pretty decent home record. So it's <coughs> by no means a, a given that Dundee United should go down there and win, despite their uh, decent form. No, really, 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 it seemed a really tight game. It was a Nicky Clark penalty, wasn't it, that they, mm. they scored to win it with? I, uh, it's one of those ones, I know it's it's been said a lot, but every, every time you see Queen of the South play, you, you struggle to envisage the score being Queen of the South now with Stephen Dobie on their side. So, aye, I think uh, Tom would probably be in a better place to speak about it than us, but the D United must have really, really sort of showed up at the back, and so I played pretty well back there if they kept they kept him quiet for 90 minutes, and aye, they, if they've they've got their penalty, maybe a wee stroke of luck or whatever, probably that that's changed the game for a kind of boring 0-0 draw, but 
Aye, they, they seem to be stringing results together now because Palmerson's not an easy place to go as well, no. Hmm. I think a lot of that might be down to um, Mark Reynolds. Um, yeah, could be. Brilliant player. Fantastic. Uh, obviously, Scott McDonald signed for Partick during the week, KC, and got a goal. Uh, he seemed quite emotional in his post-match interview yesterday when he was speaking <laughs> about getting back involved with football. Uh, and it's just kind of continued Partick's decent form. Do you see Partick being safe this season? Just quickly. I, th- I think they will, Ryan. I just think that, and as I'll always remind you of, I did say that uh, Caldwell would be a shrewd bit of business when he was appointed <laughs> Thistle manager, and it's just taken me a while to get to that. But no, great form. I mean, unbeaten in the last five, three wins in the bounce, and Scott McDonald's always got to score goals, I think. So, um, aye, excellent result for them, and, and obviously massive when you consider kind of basically leapfrogged the uh, Alwa and Alwa now so bottom of the Aye. league elsewhere not a lot of goals Dunfermline beat Inverness 1-0 Morton Air 0-0 um, and obviously Ross County were involved with East Fife which I'll, I'll come on to in a second other leagues are Broth Wraith was probably the standout fixture in terms of title challenges at the top end of the um, the leagues obviously it was between Wraith and Arbroath and you would have to imagine Lewis that if Wraith were ever going to overturn Arbroath's massive lead they would have to have won that one but 1-0 to Arbroath and it looks like 16 points clear after 24 games they're going to win League 1 Aye definitely and I think there was a, I think there was actually a wee bit of needle in that match as well because I, I was reading a report on it and the, the Arbroath gaffer was saying that uh, John McGlynn had been, uh, had been uh, speaking quite negatively about Arbroath in the press during the week saying cracks were cracks were appearing in them and everything so he, he was kind of saying that John McGlynn effectively did his team talk for him so I, I think that uh, I think I, I think there was a wee bit of needle there but there'd been a, a game that would be quite good to see actually and then uh, I don't think don't think John McGlynn was I think John McGlynn felt that they had kind of done a number on them a wee bit obviously they get an early goal and then just just sort of sitting in defending really well as they've, they've done all season to be honest uh, just strange not to see Bobby Lynn score. I, know, I think he came close or he'd an assist or something but just strange not to see Bobby Lynn score because it seems to he seems to score pretty much every week. <laughs> um, of another massive result in terms of probably at the wrong end of the table um, for where they'd like to be, but Dumbarton 3-0 away at um, Stranra takes them off the bottom of the table. Uh, and in League 2, Peterhead and Clyde, both sort of title contenders, uh, getting victories at the weekend, obviously Edinburgh City, which I'll just touch on now, um, were involved in the Challenge Cup final down in Wales, lost out to Connors Key on penalties, and the, obviously the, the other semi-final there, Ross County beat East Fife 2-1 on Friday night, so that means that Ross County will be playing Connors Key in the Scottish Challenge Cup final. Guys, I think we are all safe. Well, I think it's safe to assume that we are all uh, cheering on Ross County oh, in this aye. one. I <coughs> we're all staggies. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just that epitomise this absolute farce that that tournament's become, which is a shame because obviously I've never seen one side compete in it, but like, just like, it did have a bit of a thankfully. Uh, I mean, if it was, it would be up there with, with Rangers as one uh, when they beat uh, Peterhead in the final four nil at Hamden. Is right up there with the most successful team in football. That, but um, <laughs> but no, like, I mean, it was it was a good wee incentive for teams, and I don't, I genuinely don't mean that in a patronising way. It was, and, it, and teams what I won it. I think Falkirk maybe held the record for winning it, and 
and you get good crowds at the final and that. Most of the finals I played at my like, like Dermot Park and stuff and I get me what it was. Like something different and they've just totally ruined it. Be firstly having Colts teams in it who are just getting pummeled for everybody anyway. Totally devaluing the competition and then selling it off to Irish, Northern Irish and Welsh teams. It's absolute garbage, man, and it's a shame. It's it's just why you not just keep it and what Championship League One, League Two. What's that show? I think even opening it up to Highland and Lowland League teams rather than bringing in teams from uh, Aye. Aye, other countries, given it's a, a Scottish Cup competition. In terms of the farce that it's become, I think it's clear to see when Bohemians had to postpone their game for several months because their league season hadn't started. And then when it finally did, the game got called off two minutes prior to kickoff. And then East Fife eventually got a walkover to get to the, the semi finals. So it's turned into a bit of a shambles. And I think we are all in agreement when we say the sooner that is sorted out, the better. Because yeah, definitely. Um, it <coughs> doesn't, even though it's a. It's not open to the the top teams in Scotland. It, it doesn't give the game much um, positive publicity, which I think is needed at all levels. Um, and I think that rounds us up. So I hope this hasn't been too painful for you, Casey. I hope we've gone there uh, some way to <coughs> giving you some form of therapy. I do, I do feel a bit better, mate, after getting getting that off my chest. So thanks very much, and I apologise to the listeners. Uh, if they are getting frustrated with my morning antics and thank you to yous for being patient with me we've all been there Casey we've all been there and thank you to you Lewis um, I know you've picked yourself up off your uh, hospital bed to uh, come on here so uh, Aye, it God is appreciated it. greatly uh, I feel what I'm, feel what I'm doing a hospital bed I'm up again off here <laughs> right down the stair for an Alka Seltzer <laughs> <laughs> well as you say the perfect tonic is always three points um, and <laughs> and with that uh, I think we will end the show so thank you for listening and be sure to tune in ne- next week thank you for listening bye for now